My sister uh, moved to Butte about 10 years ago, and uh, she began her work at Genesis as a physical therapist, and she was introducing herself to everyone, and as she was introducing herself to one of the ladies there, ladies, she only introduced herself by her first name, and then the, the lady was like, well, well, what's your last name? She's like, Barr. And you, she kind of just sat there thinking for a second. And she's like, what's your maiden name? She's like, Longo. She just kind of sat there for a second again. And she's like scanning the Butte family tree, and she's like, I don't recognize those names. And that was the end of the conversation. She just like wasn't interested in my sister anymore because she didn't know who she was. Uh, and she said that happens all the time. And I've noticed that since coming to Butte, and I've been thinking a lot about names and why they matter and what, what a name means. And the importance that everyone puts on names in Butte, I think, is a very good thing. Uh, my name matters because my family matters to me. I love my family, so I love my name. And that's, a, I think, a really special thing to have. It, and if there's one thing Butte really knows well, it's, it's family. Here in Butte, people love their families. I think I grew up really loving my family, but at the same time, I think at some point I got wrapped up in kind of American individualism and this idea that uh, family's great, but you've got to go out and make it on your own, buddy. Like You've you got to go out in the world and do something for yourself. And I think there's, of course, a grain of truth to that, uh, that we do need to kind of carve our own path to a certain extent. But the idea that family isn't an essential part of that, that family isn't wrapped up in everything that we do and isn't a, such a huge part of who we are, uh, I think the individualism that we have isn't good. And, and it's actually foreign to the whole history of the world. So Alexis de Tocqueville, who came to America uh, kind of in the, in the very beginning of kind of origins of our country, he had this funny critique of American culture. He said that we're... A, a country of free men and women who are standing side by side but not holding hands, refusing to hold hands, and, and basically saying that we're very hardcore individuals and, and to a fault, that, we, that our individualism uh, kind of transcends other things that it shouldn't. But I love Butte because I think it, uh, that culture just isn't really present here, that people are individuals, but that doesn't transcend their family. They love, they love their family. And I don't want to make Butte seem like some weird utopia, but I've noticed a tremendous care of family here, and not just the kind of core, but even, you know, all the way out to the furthest branches of your tree, you know, the shirt tail relatives. And I, it runs deep, and I think it points to something very deep in our faith, something that we learn when we contemplate the Holy Family. And so... What do we think about when we, when we consider that the Holy Family, that uh, Jesus, Joseph, and Mary living in Nazareth? What was it like? It's hard to wrap our minds around because it's such a unique situation. But I think our scriptures give us a lot to, to contemplate here. So Jesus was obedient to his parents. It says that in the scriptures. He spent 30 years living in obedience to his human parents. So any teenagers here, if your parents give you a a command, and you think you know better, just remember that God, when he became a man, was obedient to his parents. So even if they're wrong, you're obedient to them. Uh, and, but as, 
as parents, it gives us a lot to contemplate as well, that you can be sure that there was never a prideful moment for Joseph or Mary when they were parenting Jesus, because if for no other reason than that, that they knew who they were the parents of, uh, when you're trying to be a dad to God, it's, I think it's very humbling. I, he, he probably never assumed that he knew the best. Uh, and so when you think, as parents, when does pride begin to take over? How many moments are there when you, you give a command and you know you're wrong, but you stick to it just out of pride? And you refuse to be corrected either by your spouse or by your friends or even by your child because of your pride. And so I think we can be reminded by Joseph, especially Joseph often, uh, that we can never let pride get in the, in the way of our love for our children. So, the, so just some other considerations here. The Holy Family was always on the lookout for each other. You have this circle of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph, and they're always looking to the good of the other. And that's family life kind of in a nutshell. That there's, in the gospel today, we're presented with this amazing and powerful moment in the temple when the great prophecies of who Jesus is to become and what his life is to mean for us. And, and the parents were amazed Mary and Joseph were amazed, but for every amazing moment in parenting, you know, there's a hundred kind of mundane, worldly moments uh, that the daily grind takes its toll. And it's in that daily grind, that's when we become saints. That daily offering of love, this unseen act of love for those in our family, those are the moments in which we grow towards sainthood. Fulton Sheen uh, points out that Jesus spent three hours on the cross in you know, dying for our sins. He spent three days in the tomb, kind of going down into the underworld and, and pulling up Adam and Eve. He spent three years preaching, which is a decent amount of time, but he spent 30 years in Nazareth being obedient to his parents, living the quiet, secret life of that holy family. And it's those moments that provide such incredible and almost like, like unwilling acts of love. I had a buddy who had his first child, and he said up until having that baby, whenever he was presented with an opportunity to be selfless, to do something, to go beyond himself, he could always choose not to. He could always, if he really was feeling selfish, he could just choose not to perform that act of love. But once he had a baby to take care of, he just didn't even have the choice anymore. You know, he couldn't be selfish if he wanted to. He said he would, he'd get up in the middle of the night and the baby would be crying and he'd just, he'd just be like, what, what is this? You know, like I'm, I'm exhausted. And he's, he'd just feel his baby looking at him like, if, if you don't do this, like if you don't take care of me, I'm just going to die. Like, you don't have the choice, buddy. You're just going to have to do this. So, I, what, why I say that is I, you can never let those moments pass you by. So parenting, especially parenting young children, is, is a opportunity after opportunity for selfless love. And if we don't ponder that, as Mary pondered all these things in her heart, if you don't really take that in and let it form you uh, as, a, as a person of love, then, th- then they can pass you by. And then that time passes you by, and it, and it doesn't help us to grow towards being saints. The vocation is so special in that way. So the final, final kind of thing I th- think we can learn from the Holy Family 
is what it actually means to love your spouse. So as husbands and wives, what it actually means to love your spouse. Mary was consecrated to God in a particular way. Um, And so Joseph, as a husband, lived chaste fatherhood. He he didn't have the normal marital relations with Mary that, that husbands have because she was consecrated. But he loved her in a, in, a, in a perfect and heroic way, despite all of that. He, he lived a joyful life because everything was about loving his spouse. It wasn't about him. And he had, has a particular place in the whole history of the church because of that. That God made him into such a great model of fatherhood. And uh, I think it, he kind of takes this incredible posture of humility... Uh, as a as a husband because as husbands and wives your goal is your mission as a spouse is to get your spouse to heaven and your children to heaven that's your goal Every, you're supposed to get them to heaven and you're totally incapable of that on your own that's just a mission you can't do you know like heaven is beyond us in a certain extent so we always take this posture of humility because we're dependent on God in everything so your goal, your mission, is to do something that's naturally impossible. And without being united to God in that, you're just going to be incapable of fulfilling your vocation. I feel that as a priest all the time. My, my mission is impossible for me alone. It's only with God that I can fulfill that mission. And it's the same for you as a spouse. And we look to St. Joseph in particular because he's in a family where he's the only one who's even ever going to sin. You know, like everybody else in his family is not going to sin. And so he's in this place, like, he's kind of out of his league in every way. Uh, but he lived it heroically and courageously. And so we look to him whenever we're feeling overwhelmed. So, as Butte people, you know that the family is worth fighting for. That's just the culture here. That the family is so crucial to who we are as people. And I think the our goal is always to live in a very concrete way that secret, that interior life of the Holy Family. Uh, that daily acts of selfless love that are going to be what really matter in the end. Those small daily acts. And so Jesus came to earth uh, and he chose to spend the majority of his life just living in a family. And that for us is great because he knows our daily struggles. He knows all those kind of just Uh, mundane struggles of daily life. So know that in a particular way, when you live and you work as a family, uh, the favor of God is upon you, that God is with you in everything. So be courageous uh, in this incredible vocation that is family life. Amen.